What are those girls with the signs, Dad? Look away, son. Look away. That dog was well-trained and when it wasn't a puppet. She was in the movie. Ha <laughs> I don't even know how to make jokes about sports. It's where grown men grapple each other. Come on, you should be into this. Yay, Jeremy Sisto! I would promptly fall asleep and spill an entire full tall drink right in my lap. Hello everyone, welcome to Movie Freaks, the only podcast on the net that when we invite you to our wine and cheese party, you will taste the finest artisanal cheeses. Also, Mad Dog 2020. I'm Eric Marner. And I'm Eugene Weaver? (laughs) That's just a... Begs the question, are you drinking Mad Dog tonight? Of course not. It's just a pretentious way of, of preparing oh. people for what they're in store for. You'll get some fine cheese, but you're also going to have to suffer a little bit. Yeah, that's usually through my reviews, actually. Oh, or our booze choices. Or our booze cho- Oh, yes. Yes. Very true. Yeah, it's always funnier when you have to explain it. Okay. Uh... <laughs> <laughs> and that, yeah, it's, it's funny because you had to explain that. But uh, I, I like that you introed with a, uh, a riff on Mad Dog 2020, which is an old friend of mine. Didn't see that. that and and an enabler. Very much an enabler. <laughs> yeah. Oh, uh, hey, how's it going, man? How we doing? It's going well. Going well. Very, very busy, but we always say that at the beginning of our show that I we're know. really, really busy, so, you know. People are probably that, sick of hearing it already. Yeah. yeah, but we're busy making great art here. That's what we're busy doing. Yeah, great. Define great. Uh, Mad Dog Mad 2020. Dog 2020. Going back, yeah. But, but the lime green kind. The, 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 ki- the kiwi flavor. But with some very fine 15-year-old cheese on top of it. Yes. <laughs> Uh, yep. I'm on the usual yet again. Sorry. Boring. Snore. Well, I'm actually uh, finishing off a glass of wine, and then I've got some vodka that I'm going to be getting into tonight. I figured, let's let's change things up and be be a little bit more sophisticated tonight by drinking, like, $8 vodka oh, yeah. after wine. <laughs> my, my intro is just coming more and more true as the show rolls on. Yeah. Good grief. <laughs> yeah. Let's see where this leads. Yeah. Yes, and let's roll with this. Yes, and uh, ladies and gentlemen, and genders of all genders, uh, if the show bursts into flame and explodes tonight, it's because for the first time ever, I think we're recording and there is daylight out yet. Yeah. Somehow the stars aligned and it was like, hey, we got an hour and a half. Let's do this. <laughs> yeah. So that could mean that our computers blow up and somehow our houses. I don't know. This, it's what always us. happens. And yeah. we, when we start half an hour early, then it, it all hell breaks loose and Skype yes. updates and nothing works. And The ne- the is going to open up here in our house and somehow I'm going to oh, get... Oh, it actually, as a matter of fact, it will be opening up very quickly. Oh. And with that, let's move on to the roulette. Okay. Where we dive into the ocean of cinema to find those gems in the rough. Oh, boy. Yeah, last, uh, what is it? Uh, cast a deadly spell up against XX, and I'm up first. Cast a deadly spell is a 1991 HBO TV movie. Star- Fred Ward is the star. As 1948 hard-boiled private detective H. Philip Lovecraft. In a fiction... Wait, I'm going to stop. Because... I promised that I, myself that I was going to give my review of this movie before I actually told anybody what it was about, because when I read the synopsis, it makes me like it more. Oh, so, boy. Okay. 
I'm going to give this one about a 4 out of 10 and say that it's worth checking out, especially for cinephiles that are into really bizarro cinema. You know? Like, here's something that exists, and it's so weird, it's worth taking the trip. I didn't love it or nothing, but then I re- I finish the synopsis here. In a fictional universe where magic is real, this is again 1940s, Monsters and mythical beasts stalk the back alleys, zombies are used as cheap labor, and everyone, except Detective Lovecraft, uses magic every day. How can you go wrong? Yeah, that sounds great. Sounds amazing. Uh, HBO produced a sequel called Witch Hunt. Have you heard this or seen of this? No. Uh, Witch Hunt takes place in the 1950s during the Red Scare in which magic is substituted for communism. Dennis Hopper plays the... Lovecraft role in place of Fred Ward. Again, I even giving this one a 4 out of 10, mostly a thumbs down, I still want to see the sequel. <laughs> um, but yeah, these detectives, one is Philip Lovecraft and the other is Brad, Detective Bradbury, I think. So, authors. Oh, gotcha. Yes. And they're chasing down the Necronomicon. Nice. Yeah. I, everything you say so far has me wanting to watch this movie. I'll, I'll tell you what, it definitely would benefit from a better transfer, because the transfer that I watched on YouTube was a VHS. It did, uh, it was ugly and washed out and tough to look at. It looked Which, like an old broadcast. Gotcha. I, I want to hit on that later when we do our recently watched. I actually want to touch base on, on what you just said there. Okay. So we'll come around to that. Uh, hold on a sec. Text from mom. See, this is what happens when we record during the day. Then we get text messages from people. Anyway, um, yeah, so Cast a Deadly Spell. If you found a good transfer of this, uh, it's worth taking the trip. There's a, there's some... It just can't decide quite what it wants to be as far as... It, it's it's like that 1940s noir kind of feel, but then they have silly and campy kind of, oh, look, it's a it's a gremlin. We gotta get it. We gotta shoot it. Or a hobgoblin. And, and then they're blowing up their furniture, and it's supposed to be like, ha, 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 ha. And, uh... Then Julianne Moore is in there as the the jazz singer with the sultry, bright red lips, except that she's so horribly dubbed over when she's singing that it's hilarious. You know what I mean? Okay. Like, she wasn't yeah. obviously singing, so it it just is, it's way off. Uh, anyway, uh, overall, I give it a thumbs down. They're big giant creature that they summon from hell in the third act, that was something... But, uh, huh? No. It was very hard to pay attention. But if you found a good transfer of this, I think you should check it out because you might like this movie. It's just got enough puppetry and weirdness that you might enjoy it. But it is not by any means a scary or, like, yeah. hard R kind of movie, I don't think. That's an HBO movie? Yeah. Uh, that's probably one of the reasons why it hasn't been released on Blu-ray, is they're very stingy with their high-def releases on a physical, you know, on physical media. Like, I had to import, uh, Slipstream, which I believe that was an HBO produced movie. Uh, not Slipstream, I'm sorry, um, Split Second with Rutger Hauer. And I actually had to import that from the UK on Blu-ray. Uh, I'm pretty sure that was HBO. But anyway, but yeah, they're, they've got, like, they have, uh, I think the Hitcher, the 80s version of the Hitcher with right. Rutger Hauer. 
And, uh, you know, still no release, which that's a great movie. Anyway. So that's an HBO movie? Yeah, I think they, they produced it. Oh. But it, I mean, that got a theatrical release, as did Split Second. Hmm. So. All right. Well, there you go. Cast Deadly Spell. If I ever come across uh, the sequel Witch Hunt, I'll, I'll watch it. it. I mean, I'll watch anything Dennis Hopper's in. Yeah. Agreed. He's great. Uh, XX. Okay, XX, a uh, four-pack of horror, uh, quote-unquote, horror shorts. Oh, boy. Uh, directed by and written by women. So I want to be very careful here because, um, you know, I appreciate what went into this movie. And I think that this movie will certainly appeal to, I don't want to say a certain demographic, because anybody can, like, I liked what... Out of these four shorts, I'm just going to say right now, I did not like this movie. The first one was interesting, but the rest, I, I guess the last one was okay too, but maybe it's because I'm getting older. I just, I couldn't relate to the characters. I couldn't relate to the subject matter really. It's just not me at all. Um, so, but at the same time, I, I do want to say that it's, I think it's cool that there were four, uh, women directors out there that wrote these and made them and, there, this movie does have some good points. Uh, the wraparound story, which is this weird stop motion, nine inch nails looking type stuff. I thought that was cool. Uh, the first story was, um, I think the best, although it's pretty much unexplained as to what's really going on. A, uh, a woman and her two, her two kids are on a, uh, on a subway or whatever. And, um, and this guy with a hat, he has this this present, this box present on his lap, and uh, he shows what's inside to the boy, and that causes the boy to quit eating, and then eventually the girl as well, and things go from bad to worse. The mom and the dad are trying to figure it out and getting more and more upset, and it's uh, really, really, really depressing. Like that story is uh, incredibly depressing. It has one quite graphic scene as well, but it is not really a horror short. I don't think it's just more of a depressing tale of parenthood kind of. And what, what do you do when your kid, I don't know, does something unexplainable. The second story, I'm just going to go through these real quick. The second story was, uh, I think it was called the birthday party. And it was, it was, Awful. Like it, I find, I actually fast forwarded the last couple minutes of it. I hated, I hated it so bad. It was so pretentious and uh, it was nothing. It was just awful, awful shit. So <laughs> skip. Third okay. one was about this, uh, this, the group of people in a motorhome that are, uh, hiking or whatever, climbing mountains and there's this curse and there's a creature that shows up and nah. Whatever it was, it was forgettable. It was it, the the second story was so terrible that this one here was okay because of that. Uh, was, was there is there any? I mean, is it gory or anything or scary? Mm, or? No, 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 not really scary. Uh, it was a little bit of bloodshed in it. it I mean, it, a little. Okay. And then the fourth story, again, I think that the fourth story was probably the creepiest and had a good. It had a good. Storyline going on. It is basically about this mom whose teenage son is, um, is 
overtly evil and you find out why he is and and it's pretty cool but it just for me it just felt lackluster and i i hate to use that whole term slickly shot video but i just uh, like i feel like i'm watching actors acting in a room with you know high def cameras and i just i couldn't get into it so I, this was a this is a pretty big thumbs down actually and i probably spoke more kindly of it now than when I watched it. Like when I watched it, I turned it off and I'm like, I fucking hate that movie. <laughs> but, uh, you know, thinking back on it, I'm like, it's, it was competently made, I suppose, but it was just so not me yeah. at all. So well, anyway, I might still keep it on the queue for, um, uh, October, as I often say, if it even counts yeah. as one of those as a horror movie. What, what? Um, boy, I mean, Half and half. I mean, I guess the last two stories could be considered that, but the first one's a drama, and the second one is—I don't know what the second one was. I it was rubbish. It's unfortunate when, so. because that's such a specific kind of medium, the anthology film, especially a horror anthology. It's like this is your chance to go nuts, have your crazy story. Yeah. It doesn't even have to make a lot of sense. Just throw a bunch of scares and some gore and. Go. Yeah. You don't have to have fully developed characters or anything. That's, I think, why I lo- why I I liked VHS parts one and two so much, and to a lesser extent, the third one has two good stories in it. Uh, but yeah, this one here, man, it just you you had yeah, you're right. You had they all of them had like twenty minutes or so of making something really cool and unique, and there is a little bit there, but it just doesn't. It doesn't go all the way, or they maybe they try too hard, and it just comes off as pretentious. <laughs> so, yeah. anyway, that is a very much one and done for me. Uh, having said that, uh, I have seen worse on the roulette. Uh, <laughs> so, <Yeah. laughs> all right, there you go. Well, I might keep it on there, and we'll see. Okay, next round for you: uh, Assassination Games. This is on Crackle. Two assassins agree to work together as one tries to avenge his wife and the other collect a reward for a job. That's not the selling point. The selling point is it's Scott Adkins and JCVD. Yep. A little longer at an hour 40, but that's still... they they Those two can eat up screen time and it'd still be entertaining. Uh, the next two are on Netflix. Uh, Here Alone. When she finally encounters two other survivors, a woman alone in a world decimated by a zombie epidemic struggles to trust her new companions. Uh, and to alleviate maybe fears you might have of that slickly shot nonsense that we talk about all the time, this won Narrative Feature Audience Award at the 2016 Tribeca Film Festival. Oh, nice. Okay. Audience, audience award, though, but I don't think they would give awards to the the stuff that we're talking yeah, forget about. Yeah, Within Netflix. five minutes, you're like, I'm done. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Unless it was just a really bad year at Tribeca. Yeah. <laughs> uh, and lastly, Cave. Torn between old camaraderie and recent tensions, three ex-soldiers reunite to explore a deadly cave, but soon discover terror beyond all expectations. Bork, bork, bork. It's also Norwegian. Ooh. But (laughs) it's an hour and 17 minutes. Ooh, ooh. I have laid you the finest of traps. Yes. To to take your your steps carefully. Yeah, you have. That's a good spread, though, by the way. I like that. Yeah. All three of those sound like something that I would like to watch. Okay, and for you, I actually was going to go with three YouTubers, but I'm like, no, try to at least get one Netflix in there just 
Just to... Especially when I watched a YouTube last week. I know, week. I know. So, uh, the two Netflix, or I'm sorry, the two YouTube ones are a movie from 1974 called Where Have All the People Gone? Hour and 14 minutes, and it is uh, about a strange series of solar flares proves fatal for inhabitants of the Earth, except for the fortunate few who are somehow immune from the effects. Animals go insane, and humans uh, turn into... Well, yeah, there you go. You get the picture. Mm-hmm. Um, 1974, so it's going to have that 70s feel, and it's a real short runtime. I like that. Next up is uh, an impossibly cool titled movie called Demon Warp. And <laughs> th- that's so great. Uh, from Still 19- makes me laugh. 1988, starring George Kennedy, because he is... He's George Kennedy, so he should be in a movie called Demon Warp, I guess. Uh, a man and his daughter are attacked in the woods by what they believe is a Bigfoot-type creature. However, they soon begin to suspect that they may have stumbled onto a nest of aliens in a hidden spacecraft. That sounds so great. Uh, um, what's the runtime on that? Hour and 30. Mm-hmm. And last but not least on the Netflix is The Astronaut Farmer. Uh, this is one that came out... Uh, in 2006, so a little over 10 years old now, hour and 44 minutes, starring Billy Bob Thornton and Virginia Madsen, and Bruce Dern, a NASA astronaut forced to retire years earlier so he could save his family farm, has given, has never given up his dream of space travel and looks to build his own rocket despite the government's threats to stop him. And I, you know, I do remember when that one was in theaters and it sounded good, but I just, I, I never watched it, and you know, I I know me, and I saw the rating, which was PG, and I'm like, eh, no. Ooh, it's not even 13? No, it's PG. So yeah, it's... that one's off. That one's off. <laughs> <laughs> but at least it's gonna be it's gonna be Netflix HD and uh, yeah, competent. So anyway, yeah, you might you might be struggling this week from my list, but good, <laughs> go go for it. I I would. Uh, which landmine do I step on? I'll go square in the middle and go with Demon Warp. Dun, dun, I, just, dun. I can't help it. That title is too hilarious, and there's a little maybe aliens. So oh, maybe maybe that'll be entertaining. Yeah, eh, but then again, maybe. I thought Fred Ward casting spells and zombies and Necronomicons would be entertaining. Yeah, yeah. at least yours wasn't a complete uh, complete 100 percent dud. No. Yeah. Um, okay, and for me, uh, boy, you as much as I would like to pick the uh, John Claude movie. Uh, Crackle has just simply too many commercials for that runtime. I'm like, if you would have said that movie's an hour and 15, I'm like, ah. But an hour and 40, I'm like, eh, now I'm sitting there for, and you can't fast forward them. Now I'm at a, over two hours. So let's go with Here Alone. Nice. Um, yeah, that, I, if, at the very least, hopefully it'll be really shot well. And if it won some awards, that's, that's a good thing. Yeah. So. Well, here's hoping. Next week it'll be Demon Warp uh, against Here Alone. Oh, my God. The <laughs> movies we pick. <laughs> yep, I love it. It's about time for a Blu-ray round or something, I think. To I, I would agree, yeah. Or or a sure, like, hey, here's one that you've never watched but I love, So, or three that I've watched that you have never seen. Let's do that. Yeah. Well, unless these are both home runs, next week that's what we're doing. Okay. I, I, uh... I'll second that motion. All right. <laughs> All right. There you go. Demon Warp and here alone. Are you ready to move on, sir? Let's do it.
And we wanted to be a little relaxed and have fun since we're such tired old farts. So tonight we're going to do Theater Ticket Lottery. We haven't done this in a while. Yeah. And I'm up first. So what do I want you to pull out? Or pull out. What? Uh. Yeah, I'm going to pick first. Um. Okay. I'm just going to get my fail out of the way right away. Give me a horror movie. Okay. And your winner is... Wait, wait, wait. Hold on. For the people that may be new to the show, <laughs> we keep our ticket stubs from the our theater ticket uh, trips, and I, he has a giant bag, and I have a giant box, and we cram our hands into them until we find a ticket and try to guess what everybody's going to pull out, and somehow that all kind of sounded sexual, and I didn't really mean it to be. It like did, very much so. Bags I, yeah, and boxes and that. cramming hands into them, and... Yeah. I, I <sighs> anyway, uh, yeah, give me a horror movie. Here comes okay. the comedy. <laughs> do you have your list well, up of you know stuff what? you've pulled up before? I uh, do, yes. And uh, this is interesting. Um, so I picked Scary Movie, which is a comedy, but kind of a horror movie. It's a, a horror spoof. So you're kind of right. Uh, half a point. Yeah. I'll go half a point on that. You know, I have not seen this movie in... I cannot tell you the last time I watched Scary Movie, the original Scary Movie. I wonder if it's still funny. I, I remember really liking the first one, which was The Scream. I have the... Yeah, I have the first three on DVD, and I they're still very enjoyable. I mean, I it's been a couple of years, but it's not like a, the last time I saw it was the theater. Or yeah. Anything. Chris Elliott with the hand with the gross hand in part two was hilarious. I, you remember that? Yes, it was. Take my hand. Oh, that was take so it. random and great and gross. <laughs> I like Chris Elliott a lot. Ah, me too. <laughs> oh, and he just oh receding hairline. He just looked awful in that movie. I loved it. <laughs> it was funny. So yeah, I seem to remember it was a part three or part four. I the one where they did a lot of jokes about uh, the, the M Night's signs. I Ooh, seem to remember yeah. thinking that one was really f the funniest one, but then, I don't know, it's been so many years. Charlie Sheen was in that one, if I am not mistaken. and I, I, Yeah, I, yeah I, I think it was the, in the Mel Gibson role, wasn't it? Yes, he was. That was really, really funny, actually. And that was the, the uh, airplane guys made that. Mm. So, But they you can tell, like, it very much shifted from the Wayans Brothers to, to a, a bit different. Like, Leslie Nielsen was in it, and those were fun. I, I, I really like those movies. The, those were the last good, last, maybe, no, not the first, but they were the last good spoof movies, weren't they? Because then after that, it was date movie and whatever, all those oh, other, they just started ugh. spoofing everything under the sun. Yeah. Superhero there was that, movie. Wasn't there one about, yeah, the superhero movie, wasn't there one about like 300, I think, or maybe there was just a scene in the yeah. movie? Yeah, I remember that too. I, I, I didn't, I didn't watch yeah. any of them. Terrible. Terrible. Not funny. Did you watch them? Uh, not all of them, but I did see the superhero movie and the one, whichever one had that scene from 300, uh, but they were, I think, pretty laughless from start to finish. There was, I mean, it's, <laughs> how do you screw up that type of, it just, I don't uh, know. Not another teen movie. I saw that one. That was good. And I liked that one. That had Chris Evans in it. Wow. A young Chris Evans. Yeah. Captain America. He played the jock role or whatever, but. Of course. I could see that. so funny. I could see that. <laughs> But yeah, the scary movies are, I, I think all four, I know that there's a part five, which I have not seen, but I, I enjoyed all of the the first four. Again, I, I remember the least of part one, other than, I think that there was a gym instructor in part one, and it was, I think, supposed to be a lady, but there was like, whenever they would show a shot of this quote-unquote lady, there was like big hairy balls hanging out of the <laughs> gym shorts. 
<laughs> so I, uh, I I appreciated that. That was. <laughs> it's been so long. I just know those movies go for the quick laugh, and you you laugh your butt off, and then that you they're instantly forgettable, pretty much. Other yep. than a couple of key things like Chris Elliott's hand and you know the teacher's balls. Yeah. You interesting fact here about scary movie is that was the original title for Wes Craven's Scream. That was supposed to be oh. his. Yeah, scary movie was the working title or whatever, and then they changed it to Scream, and so scary movie became the. Spoof. The Wayne's Brothers movie, yeah. So. Which, in a way, isn't Scream kind of a spoof of the spoof? Yeah, it slasher. is. So, yeah. The spoof spoof. Yeah. Oh, okay. title for the week. <laughs> a, a spoof spoof. I like... Oh, what do you, wow. What does do that you want? Ever... Um, oh, wow. Going off the spoof spoof thing, um, let's go total opposite. Really depressing heavy drama. Oh, yeah. I mean, I'm talking, like, just emotionally devastating I, you know, I, I'm tempted to give you half a point, but, uh, that's probably because this is a remake and I like the original so much better, but, uh, The Grudge. Hmm. Oof. Yeah. Yeah. What a, yeah. What a letdown. It's <laughs> mm-hmm. more of a letdown than anything. And just, yeah. <laughs> and especially because, um, like people that had no relation to the original, would go to watch the remake, and they were like, that was one of the scariest movies I've ever seen. And it was like, I, I don't know how to react to that, because, well, one, you're wrong. And two, it, yeah. I, yeah. I only feel that way because of the original, and it's like, I should tell them to come over to my house, and I'll show you the original and really scare the shit out of you, except that these people, if they would see something that scary, they they probably couldn't handle it, I don't think. I, yeah. I don't... <laughs> And I remember, you and I saw the Grudge remake in the theater, and I remember really liking it when I saw it, at, you know, the first time you were like, ah. And then I rewatched it, I'm like, oh, no, you're, you're, you're right on that one. It's just loud, startling noises, and that's it. Loud, startling, startling, startling. Yeah. And it's Meh. not that the original is a masterpiece or anything, but it just scared me so freaking bad. I still think those first two are some of the scariest movies ever made. Oh yeah, I mean it's. I, mean, I I'm not sure which one I think is scarier that or the eye parts one and two, uh, but man, those were that's that was a good time. Like when the when the J horror was really starting to get into full swing, there was some great stuff. Yeah, and the eye has some incredibly scary parts, but upon a couple of rewatches, it's too long. Like it just keeps going and going and going. It's like ah uh, yeah, but it does have some amazing scary moments. Yeah, it does. Okay. Yes, it does. Uh, for you, let me get a war movie. I'm going specific. A war movie. And the winner is not even remotely close. Van Helsing. Uh, damn it. <laughs> uh, yep, Van Helsing. <laughs> Which I Another saw. Another movie that everybody loves to hate. Yeah, I boy, I don't have fond memories of that, but I I haven't seen that movie in so long. That's a uh I thought Summers. you liked that movie. Uh, I maybe I don't I remember ah, so well I thought about you it. and I were like kind of on our little island of of enjoying that big dumb movie. Didn't uh the guy that made the mummy movies, he made that too, correct? Summers uh I Did he make the mummy movies? Yeah. Oh. Or well, at least the first two he did. Okay. Well, I the guy that made Blade, right? Um, I, th- I think of the guy that made Blade and the guy that made uh, 
uh, the not mystery men, but um, the one with all the fictional. Uh, uh, oh yes, characters. Alex G. Alex G. Yes. Uh, no, Stephen Sum- Stephen Stephen Summers directed Van Helsing, which he directed the Mummy movies, and uh, didn't he direct Blade? Uh, no, uh, LXG, I think that was the LXG guy, which is, uh, Stephen Norrington. Oh, damn it, I'm screwing up my Stevens. Yeah, that was Stephen Norrington, which, yeah, he did, uh, Blade and League of Extraordinary Gentlemen. Okay. Which was the last movie that he directed back in 2003, and we all know how well that movie was. No, it's not. Stephen Norrington? It's something since then. Yeah. Uh, as far as directing, that was his last directing gig. Uh, once again, I'm screwing up my Stevens. <laughs> <laughs> ah, well, no, that's too bad. Yeah. Okay. Blade's a damn good movie. Yeah. Wow, that was a, just a total brick. I I thought you liked Van Helsing. I, though. I, I, I mean, I, seriously, it's been so long. I remember seeing that movie in the theater with my now wife, but back then. Uh, we were either freshly married or about to be married, and she didn't like it, and so uh, that sometimes. Well, can... I got it on. Bl- I got it on Blu-ray. Do so you really? You, yes. You know what? That could be one that I'm due for. Maybe October. Yes. We'll put that, that down for October. Yeah, I might be due for a rewatch on that one. I, that's a big, dumb, fun movie, in my opinion. Yeah. Like I think of it like. Uh... Well, like the other movies that we've mentioned, like Mummy Returns, where it's ridiculous and it's nonsense, but at the same time, I have a lot of fun with it. I, people love to trash that movie, but I'm like, eh, whatever. Yeah. Not, like, like, I'm going to it expecting um, the the uh, that last good Dracula movie. You Dracula I mean? 80? Like, like, or d- no, Dracula? no, the last good one. Oh, wow. Um, <laughs> wow, I'm not sure what that was. Uh, Bram I mean, Stoker's Dracula. Oh, yeah, that was fantastic. Yeah, I'm not going to it expecting, like, that kind of quality, like a real gothic horror movie. Yeah. It's, it's got Wolverine in it, for crying out loud, with the underworld girl, and they're just running around being crazy. But I think it's crazy and funny and fun and I, whatever. It's just stupid. But, Excellent. Ah, I bet you'll enjoy that on rewatch. Okay, yeah. what do you want? Okay, and um, for you, let's go science fiction. I'm going to try and play it safe now. Wow. Let's chalk up one big old point for Mr. Eugene Weaver. Hey! I'll bet you could almost guess the uh, movie from the date. May 1609. May 1609. Oh, nice! Star Trek! Star Trek, (laughs) sir. Yep. Early Bird. That's awesome. Who'd you see that with? You remember? Oh, I maybe had to be you, no? Uh, I saw so, that, actually, it, I saw the first one with my wife in uh, uh, Canada. We were up in oh. Niagara Falls. Saturday, early bird special. Auditorium, t- uh, Tinseltown. Oh, nine. No, I don't know. I don't know. I have no idea. I don't know who I saw that with. Hmm. Actually, that's not impossible. That was a Miller brother trip. Oh, I could see that. 10.30 a.m. Wow, on a Saturday? That's not impossible. Yeah. <laughs> hit hit the Quaker Steak and Lube afterwards, get some wings, yep. and bomb on home to fall asleep on the couch with a whiskey. Okay. <laughs> uh, well, uh, it's I, I gotta catch up here. Comedy. Comedy? You, you always disappoint me, so give me a comedy, because I, I need a point, I need to pull ahead. 
And the winner is... Not... You know what? Not bad. Dracula Dead and Loving It. That is a comedy. Yes. Not necessarily a really funny one, I don't think. <laughs> no. <laughs> I've, but Dracula... That's the uh, Mel Brooks movie, correct? Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's awful. Really, really awful. <laughs> I do recall one scene in that movie where they stake Dracula just a tiny little bit and just geysers of blood spray up. And it, it was hilarious. And Literally that was the only funny part of the movie. <laughs> yes, that was the only funny part. That's the so only Dracula, part I remember, too. <laughs> yeah, that's, that's the only... And Leslie Nielsen was in it, and it was just terrible. Oh. And that was probably... what Was that his... Was, was that his movie that he did after Spaceballs? Like, was that his first thing, or was it Robin Hood Men in Tights? Uh, Robin Hood, I think. Okay. I could be Which, wrong. that was funny. Yeah, that's a good movie. I have that one. So we're tied now, correct? No. It, uh, my final score is 1.5. You have one more chance, though. Okay. So, okay. what's it gonna be? Um, we'll go action now. Let's do an action movie. Wow, that's a broad category. Uh, and more, more specifically, like, not war, like, we're doing more, like... Like, mainstream yeah, action. Like, because Star Trek, you could call an action movie. Yeah, not, yeah, this is straight up earthbound action movie. Uh. Huh. I, uh. I don't know what to think about this. I, I think I'm going to go a half a point on this. I think I will go at least a half a point, but if you want to argue for a whole point, I'll hear your arguments. This would be um, okay. January 2nd of 09. The Spirit. Oh, okay. Would that be the Samuel L. Jackson comic book movie? I think so, yeah. Or Will Eisner, The Spirit? Was, wasn't there a Val Kilmer thing? Or what am I thinking of? I thought of that too, but I think that's a... Uh, that's um, the... Um, it's not called The Spirit. It's called... Um, Oh, this is the Frank Miller movie from 2008? Yeah, Samuel Jackson and Scarlett Johansson. Uh, what's the, You said 2008? What's yeah. the release date on that? Was uh, that December? December, yes. Okay, well, that would have to be it, because it was January 2009. Man, I don't know. That That's close to being action right there. Action... I mean, unless you want to consider that science fiction, I don't know. I... I... I don't know. What do you What do you think? What is it What is it listed on IMDb? Isn't on that IMDb, how we usually go? Yeah, on IMDb it says it's action, uh, co- crime, fantasy. All right, I'll give you your fucking point, ah. bitch. <laughs> <laughs> because we'd never go like pull me out a crime movie. Yeah. You know, or, yeah. <laughs> nah, fair enough. Okay. All right, you beat me. You win. All right. So you that's... win by half a point. <laughs> I'm sure our listeners are like, wow, that was like watching the Cavs and uh, whatever, oh, the Warriors. That, it's that exciting. <laughs> that wasn't all that exciting either. No, it wasn't. <laughs> um, well, well, hey, at least there were some points. We've played this game before where it's 0-0, zero, zero, nil, yeah. nil. It was a, Then it was as exciting as a soccer match. <laughs> yeah. Agreed. Or in my case, I guess baseball. Sure. I don't, yeah. Sports ball. Sports ball. <laughs> welcome, welcome everybody to Sports Ball Freaks, where we talk about uh, <laughs> grabbing the basketball and shooting the the hoop on the wicket. It's, it's, 
So fascinating. Oh, okay, yeah. <laughs> I don't even know how to make jokes about sports. I'm that. I'm, You're that into it. I'm You're like that. I don't even know what sport to go to first yeah. that I'm obsessed with. Yeah. Well, actually, what is sports? What, yeah. what is that that we're okay? Let's move on. That's where grown men <laughs> grapple each other. Come on, you should exactly. be into this. I should be totally into that. You're like, no, that's stupid. I'm watching yeah. WWE. I was just going to say, you know, I used to be into real. I I used to be into a sporting event, and that was WWE. Yeah. So that was that was my sport. Yeah. There you go. Yep. <laughs> so oily. Okay. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> oh, that was just going to go downhill from there with the tighties and the body Greased slams and the pile the drivers and the pile. headlocks. And... Yeah. Yep. Yep. Oh yeah. And All the, right. The, and, and we could have, and then I could start going like the comparisons between WWE and TNA, which was the more risque of the two by the closing of my tenure watching that stuff. It was like, ah, if you want the what the more hard edge stuff, you go with TNA. This is stupid. Let's talk movies. <laughs> huh? I, and I remember on occasion you would be over at my place and we'd be just drinking and and uh, I would be like, it's time, and over to wrestling we'd go and you just uh. <laughs> <laughs> I would promptly fall asleep on your super comfy couch and spill an entire full tall drink right in my All lap over every your lap. Yep. single fucking time. Yep. Uh, I'll have you know that not once since I have stopped watching wrestling at your house has that ever happened. Yeah, yeah, I can I can believe that. I can believe that. And I've talked to my wife about like at what point do I introduce professional wrestling to my boys? And that is when they start talking about girls. Yeah. <laughs> it's like, okay, wait, time out, guys. Hold on here. Guys. Before have you be- seen- before there's any commitments made, there's a show I need you to watch. <laughs> Is it education, Dad? Kind of. <laughs> oh, wow. This is how they apply the grease. Yes. And uh, they, they and then they, they come out and shout, shout at each other, and yes. then they climb into the ring, yeah, and, and they hug. Yes. They hug. Violently. And here's how to cut a good promo. So if you're into the good promo stuff, here's what it takes to cut a good promo. <laughs> Do you want to be The Rock or not? Because if so, Watch. Uh, what are those girls with the signs, Dad? Look away, son. Look away. <laughs> oh, wow. Yeah. Uh, all right. Are you ready to talk about Recently Watched? Move please, on to movies please, again. Please, yes. Eugene derailing us into sports ball. Okay. <laughs> uh, I'm going to go one round here, and uh, I got three rounds for you. That's okay. what I got. First round here, I'm going to get all the stuff you don't want to hear about out of the way. Okay. Television! Netflix added a new fishing show from Britain called The Catch, season one. Watch that. It was cool. Next up. Okay. Is, <laughs> is it actually I, a, like a fishing show or is it? Yeah, it's a, yeah, it's a fishing show. It's pretty interesting. Okay. I, I enjoyed it. I have to watch all of these, you know, big boat fishing shows and I was glad to have another one. It's been quite a while since I've had one because I watched them all, but this one was entertaining and enjoyable. Okay. I quite enjoyed it, especially the, Britishness of it. I always okay. find that amusing. When they can be like, oh, get down there, you fucking cunts, and fluff the thing, ha ha ha, and they just laugh it off. I did like they that. actually, did they actually swear on the fishing show? Oh, yeah. Like, oh, yeah, yeah. Oh, nice. Okay. Well, that's, that's cool. I, oh, like crazy. They don't have the same kind of regulations on TV over there that they do here. Okay. They, they'll show nudity and swearing and stuff. Uh, next up, Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. season four. 
this was, I've been back and forth on this show. Far and away my favorite season, I think. Started off with a new ghost rider I had told you about before. who drives around and, yes. uh, oh, I don't know. I'm not a car guy. You're a car guy. Uh, it's like a, it's the Dukes of Hazard car, I think. I think it's a Charger. Oh, okay, yeah. Jet black, shoots flames. Nice. And he, he's a badass skull head. And he, they dealt with him for the first half or so of the season. Then he went away for a little bit because he got dragged down to hell as he was taking a demon down to hell. And then he came back in the end and was on their side. Loved the season. I was uh, more than any of the others, I think. It was great. Uh, anyway, then from that, I, I told you before, and I've been teasing that I've been watching all of my comic book shows. And I'm still kind of watching them, but I've been taking my time with them from now on. So I will have further reviews of all the comic book latest seasons, but yeah, Agents of Shield I got really hooked into, and it was oh, great. <laughs> I, I must say that uh, that Ghost Rider would that would be the reason to get me into that show because I love that character of Ghost Rider, and I, I will admit uh, I don't dislike the Nick Cage Ghost Riders, both of them, especially the second one. The second one I quite enjoyed for the insanity that it was, but I think that those are Dumb, fun movies, kind of like what we were talking about with Van Helsing. It was now. I'm not sure how the special effects hold up, but I enjoyed both of them, especially the second one. You the actually, second one's better than the first yeah, one. You actually, yeah, you actually you were the one that told me you were like you should check out the second one. That thing is nuts. And then I didn't. I'm well, like, that was wow, you. You're right. That's that was the crank guys. The yeah, Nell Devine Taylor, whatever. And it's still awesome. It has some editing issues, but it's still and it's better than the first one by far, in yeah. my opinion. Wasn't there a huge um, crane in the end of that thing? I remember this gigantic crane. It was a giant digger machine or yes. something. I don't know. It was nuts. But if you were going to go Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D., I would tell you to just start with Season 4. You oh, can really? pick up on just about anything. Uh, yeah, there's Inhumans and there's Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. and just go with it. They're kind of mutants, but they can't say mutants, kind of, but they're Inhumans and... You could you could totally be entertained by this. I think there's I mean there's a fair amount of backstory and crap, but at the same time I don't care about any of that. Yeah, and there's a whole Inhumans show coming. That the trailer was just released for last week or two. Man, awesome. I'm just I'm I'm so out of that uh, shared universe TV world at this point. It's like I'm I'm barely holding on to the shared universe movies. So, uh, eh. yeah, you don't have to, I'm not trying to sell you on them. I'm not trying yeah. to convince you to watch them or anything. I just, yeah. I dig it. This would be like a giant shared universe, Freddy versus Jason for you. You'd be, you'd be all in for every one of those seasons. So I was the thing I'm into and I'm into it anyway. Okay. Enough of that. Uh, over to you. Okay. So uh, I want to get uh, a couple science fiction movies out of the way here that I watched. And the first one is Solaris. And this is the uh, Steven Soderbergh movie uh, from 2002 with starring George Clooney and um, Natasha. I don't want to butcher her last name because she's so good in the movie, but uh, you, she's been in tons of stuff. She's fantastic. Give me a hint. This, um, sh- uh, hold on. Bear with me here. Um, she was in The Truman Show. Ronan. Oh, she was in Ronan. And yeah, yeah, what give me a hint of the last name I can and maybe I'll Oh, okay. Um McKellen? McKellen? Spell it? McKellen. Oh, man. M C E L H O N E. Yeah, McKellen, McKellen. 
Not, 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 I don't know. Mecca like a hot... I don't know. <laughs> Something like that. <laughs> she was in the movie. Ha <laughs> Only our show can go from Sirius Solaris to Pee Wee's Playhouse. And sweaty big dudes. Yeah, big dudes. And right back and Jim forth. Jim Shorts with balls. Yeah. So, back yeah, to Solaris. Like, I've heard it before. It's like Mecca... Oh, man. I can't say it. Yeah, anyway. she's a really good actress, and she was so good in this movie. Everybody was so good in this movie, even though it's it's very heavy. This is the second time I've seen the movie since it came out, uh, and I remember uh, actually some cousins of mine saw the movie, and they were like, "It is awful. Do not see it." And so I skipped it in the theaters, bought it on DVD, and my wife and I watched it. And I'm like, "That was great. I'm like, what? That was great." So one of the many times where I'm like, "Why? Why would in the?" Why in the world would I listen to my cousin? One of the many times where I'm like, why would you listen to people that have polar opposite uh, reviews yes. of movies than you? Yeah. Yeah. They were like, it's boring. And, and like, everybody listening no, to this program right now is like, this program, how old am I? Everybody listening to this podcast right now is like, <laughs> yeah, good point. I disagree with you guys all the time. Like, <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> well, hopefully not with Solaris, because this yeah, is a not, really, really good movie. Um, the special effects are so good. Now, I will say that I watched an HD version of this movie. And it, uh, I've only seen the movie one other time on DVD, but it looks so good. And the special effects, while very, used very sparingly, are really, really good. And it, the answers are not uh, easy to come by, but they are there as far as what's going on with, with George Clooney visiting this planet that may or may not cause, cause, uh, the deceased to come back to life. And it is just a very, very good movie. And I'm impressed with how much of an emotional emotional impact the movie has for its short runtime. It's a, just a little over an hour and a half, which is impressive. The Russian, I think it's a Russian, uh, the original uh, movie. I believe so. That this is that one was a really long movie, if I'm not mistaken. Uh, I mean, I want to say like two and a half hours at least, and ugh, that would have been a drag. Uh, two hours and forty five minutes. That to me would have been a drag. Well, it depends. I, mean, I haven't seen the movie. It's only available like Criterion. That's why I haven't got around to it. Yeah. So, anyway, yeah, who knows that the original might be a 2001 type masterpiece. But this does remind me a bit of, it has a bit of that high-minded or whatever you want to call it, uh, science fiction like 2001, mm -hmm. where it's it's really, really good. I agree. So, I like that movie. It, it screams blue. It needs a Blu-ray release. It actually got a Blu-ray release in Germany now, but it's like, come on! I don't want to pay like thirty euros to import this thing. Will someone please release this here in the states because it's it's an old enough movie. It should be a budget ten dollar release. Come on! Or even honestly, I mean, that was a that was a Steven Soderbergh, wasn't it? You know, actually, now that I think about it, this, would be a good Criterion movie. That's that is a good enough movie that I think that Criterion could do a great job with that. Yeah, Steven Soderbergh, yeah. But that was why? Why is there not a Blu-ray release of that? Yeah. Of a Soderbergh, <laughs> so frustrating that whole ten yards is on Blu-ray, but not Solar. Yeah, I would definitely buy this. Uh, will buy this when it comes out. Anyway, okay, uh, great movie. Now uh, this one here, I believe we've talked about on the show already, but I gave it a rewatch because I watched. Uh, Solaris, and that is Silent Running from hmm. uh, two. I'm sorry, not, uh, 1972. 72. Yes, and I again, I, we we've got so many episodes now. I am starting to forget which movies we've talked about, but I really liked it. The to my 
to my memory, I watched this one time. I thought it was a fair bit overrated. I, I liked the movie, but I thought it was just like, come on, and eh. Yeah. And you were you fell in love with yeah, it. Yeah, I did. I, or, I, yeah. Okay. Well, I did the first time, and then I rewatched it. I'm like, <laughs> okay, let's let's reel that first review in a bit. This is. Uh, they're singing folksy songs as Bruce Dern emos it up on a ship with these weird-looking robots, which I did like, the weird-looking robots, but eh, trees in outer space. Eh. It, it was okay. The second time, it, drastically different review than the first time. So that's why, hey, listeners out there, always take our reviews with a grain of salt because we could watch a movie again and be like, because Silent Running, that was a tough sit through. Not just our reviews, all critic reviews, everybody's reviews, your friends' reviews, take them all with a grain. Yeah. I get so frustrated when I, uh, 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 an old review from Roger Ebert gets dug up where he gave a movie that everybody loved a negative review and hated it. And it's like, he watches so many movies, he'll probably never go back and try and watch that again. He probably never rewatched anything. Yeah. You know? And I, it's, it's unfortunate. I, I think it's unfortunate because you and I rewatch stuff. Even if we didn't like it the first time, we yeah. might go rewatch it again just because maybe it's good. Oh yeah, definitely. Change our minds. Yeah. And on occasion, seriously, it, it totally does. I mean, you've already said, told me you need to rewatch it. And it's, Vanilla Sky is a great example, which I came around on that one. I'm like, you know what? That was a pretty good movie on second watch. So, you know, you, you know just... what? And likewise, Cabin Fever. Well, not entirely likewise, but I fucking hated that movie. The first time I saw it. Yeah. And then after you talked to me about it and years and years and years later, I rewatched it. I was like, you know what? I get what this movie was trying to do. I still don't love it, but I'll give it a pass. Yeah. So anyway. And that's, that's a huge, you know, difference than just that first weekend watching a thing and going thumbs up, thumbs down. Yeah. Because I hated Vanilla Sky and vowed I would never watch it again. And, and, and on top of that, Fight Club. I'm like, ugh. And that is, one of the American masterpieces. I, I mean, Fight Club is will go down as one of the great movies of from America, and I hated it the first time, mainly because I was watching it with my friends. They're like, "This is stupid. Where's the fighting? Let's watch people get beat up. Oh, this is too R-rated. It's kind of a movie." Yes. Anyway. So anyway, there's there's okay. my and then last. Do you want me to go? I've got one more sure. sci-fi movie. Yeah, okay. go ahead. And uh, so <laughs> we've. I know we've joked about this in person, but I'm not sure if we've ever joked about this on the show. And that is a movie (laughs) – I used to love this movie, and I watched it numerous times. And again, I'm like, let's give this one a rewatch. And this is going to bring up what we talked about earlier in the show with transfers and everything. But I rewatched Population 436. I don't remember this one. No. Jeremy Sisto's in this and um, Fred Durnst from from, uh, Limp Bizkit. Biscuit. No, I. What? What the hell is this? I don't remember this. Oh, at all. Uh, well, we've. We. I know we've talked about this movie before, and you're like, dude, why do you have such a hard on for uh, Jeremy Sisto? And I'm like, I don't know. <laughs> uh, be, uh, because of Dead and Breakfast, wasn't he in that? Yes, that's what. Yes, that's what. That's the time frame that this took place, and I'm like, Dead and Breakfast was so great, and Population Four Three Six is good too. Well, I. I got to tell you, I don't remember any uh, uh, us talking about Four Three Six at all, but. Well, 
Okay, so a census taker, which is played by Jeremy Sisto, goes to this small town populated by really weird, uh, I don't want to say conservative, but they kind of look like they're kind of dressed conservative-y, and basically once you're in the town, you're Just basically all in flags. They're just wearing flags from just shirts and shorts that are just the stars and stripes of their country, whatever it may be. Yeah, you know, you know more like Amishy. Oh, uh, covering. Yes, more it's, like it's a bonnet movie. Covering. Yeah, it kind of, but so basically, you can't leave, or else the wrath of God befalls you. And so, it's got a very Twilight. Like the whole story is very Twilight Zoney. Um, but I watched it on DVD, and I'm so used to high def. When you go back and watch, this is from 2006, um, so it doesn't even have that really old look to it. To where it's like it's okay if it's on DVD because it, you know, it still looks cool because it's that old grainy look. This was starting to like it was probably a a home video release. It probably, didn't, I'm guessing, didn't get a theatrical release or much of it. So it just it looks really bad. Did you watch it on the projector? Uh, no, actually, I watched it just on regular TV, and it just the quality was really shitty, um, yeah. and it just felt it cheap. Yeah, it, it, the whole thing felt cheap. And I will say this though, Fred Durst in this was one of the highlights of the movie. I'm like, you know, he was actually a really good actor in the movie. Uh, it, <laughs> so that's that's something. But anyway, it's very science fiction fantasy going for a Twilight Zone type feel. And the end, the end is what made the movie. It had a great ending, but as a whole, just cheap, cheap uh, mid two thousands direct to video type stuff. Anyway, there you go. Yay, Jeremy Sisko. <laughs> <All right>. Hey, <laughs> hey, I'm I'm down with you watching all kinds of sci fi movies. That's cool. Yeah, there was I, I was on a sci fi kick. And I'm like, and I'm like, you know, Population four twenty six is I'm like I remember loving that movie and it's science fiction, Twilight Zoney, and eh, yeah. Uh, anyway, uh, well, you could do worse. Yeah. Okay, that's it. I'm done. Okay. Uh, for my next round, let's wrap up the Godfather series. We oh. opened a can of worms last episode, and yeah. we're going to pack those worms back up this episode. Okay. And last episode we were talking, or I was talking about how uh, I've only seen Godfather, uh, this whole series, t- maybe twice. And I got frustrated with people saying one is better than two, or two is better than one, or why do we even bother having that conversation? Well... Uh-huh. Sir, I'm here to tell you, after this rewatch of the whole trilogy, I am ready to have a dog in that fight. And I have some very good reasons why. Okay. Godfather 1 is better than Godfather 2. I still love both of these movies, but I have to give Part 2 a couple of uh, demerits because of a couple of technical aspects that I simply cannot overlook. They, when we are grading these movies, you know, looking at them, however you want to do that, at some times, at some point, you have to say, like, look, bitch, the boom mic was in the frame. I'm I'm sorry, but I can, I have to withhold your perfect score. (laughs) And it wasn't that bad, but there were a couple of things in, uh, I'm trying to think. I had three things. Okay. In Godfather 2... There was one scene, and I can't remember what the time code was. I I, remember, I thought I'd wrote it down, but I forgot. Um, there was one scene where... How do I explain this? It was an outside shot of the house. I think 
close to the area of when they attack Michael's house, like shoot it up. Yeah. Where there was black. See what I'm doing on Skype? There was kind of. Yes, I do. A black kind of like this in the frame. And it was either that they didn't clear the gate and there was something in there that filmed over it, or there was a mistake in there and they put black over it to cover it up. Now, this may sound ultra nitpicky, but... But we're talking Godfather here. We're talking perfection here, and the film was fucked up. And it was about this much of the screen, right here. Wow. And and then there was another thing where the, uh, during the Senate hearings, was it, not, maybe not, maybe that's not the right word, but it was kind of like a Senate hearing. And they were accusing Michael of blah, 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 blah. And they cut to the one senator... And there was a line that was so clearly ADR'd in after that it was, I, I was like, I have to fault you on this because they were close up on the Senate, not close up on the Senator, but they, they, you could see the Senator very well. There was dialogue of him saying, not just like, okay, but he was saying like a couple of sentences and he was like this, like mouth, not moving at all. It was clearly dubbed in after. 100%. Wasn't even moving a smidge. And it's... Sorry, <sighs> I'm trying not to be ultra nitpicky, but when you when we're talking about giving a movie a 10, and I've talked about this on the show before, I don't give 10s lightly. I have movies I would love to give a 10 to, and I can't do it because of a technical thing. And it may be bitchy, but nonetheless, it is there. Thirdly is some of the editing in in Godfather 2 is a little uh, jarring. Let's put it that way. It could be a little more gentle when it's going from back and forth of the old-timey to the current time. And sometimes it is a little frisky in the way that it jumps back and forth where it's like, we were in the middle of something and then you just, well, okay, we're dealing with this again. And then by the time you get yeah. back, you're like, I forgot what was going on. Come on, like, smooth it out a bit. Might have been able to cut a few scenes, or trim a little bit to make it a little smoother. A lot of fucking arguing between Michael and Kay. Like... Yep, I remember that. I do remember that. A lot of arguing. Yeah. And it it is pertinent to the story, and at that point, you're still on such a high from Godfather 1 that you're still in, you don't care, you'll watch anything. Yep. I still give Godfather 2 extremely high marks. Like, all of these things compacted together, I'd give it still, like, a 9 out of 10. And that's a great score. Yeah. So, Godfather 1, you gave 10 out of 10? Oh, yeah. That's a perfect film. I I found no flaw with that movie. Now, let's move on to Godfather 3. Which, uh, I I, I alluded to that I don't hate it as much as everybody else. And after this rewatch, I... Still kind of maintain that. I don't hate this movie as much as everybody else. I It definitely gets a lower score. I'd probably give it a 7. And I'd probably give it an 8, maybe. It's still a good movie. It's still a solid movie. That's a good they review. A couple, or that's a good score. They still... I mean, that's a B plus. They still made some mistakes along the way. But the mistakes that they made along the way, I think that the people that go to hate it misunderstand what is happening in front of them. Number one complaint that you always hear about on the internet is Sofia Coppola is yes. a, a terrible actress. That's what that's what I always see. And that's what I always hear. But and I'm I'm so happy for her that she has had a, a 
don't even know what you have, reemergence as a director. Yeah. Because she is a solid director from the couple films that I've seen. I, I've only seen a couple of her films. I need to see more. But I think what a lot of people overlook, especially just like your general movie going public or whatever, they don't know her as a person. And not that you need to know everybody as a person to define their acting ability whatsoever, but if you go, like, I just listened to an interview today with her that was over an hour long, and this was a recent interview. She is a, how do I describe this without coming off like a snarky asshole? (laughs) She is an intelligent person. She is an artistic person. She grew up in a certain area of the country where you're going to have a certain tenor of voice. She also grew up in a very wealthy kind of situation with her father being Francis Ford Coppola. She didn't have to worry too much about school. Her father would pull, she said, I don't even know multiplication. I'm terrible at it. My father would pull me out of school to go live in the Philippines for a year to make a fucking... Apocalypse Now. Apocalypse Now. Yeah. I I can't fault her on that shit. Or for yep. not sounding like a super erudite whatever. Uh, but she has a certain tenor to her voice that ends up being a little valley, is the best way that I can describe it. And she talks very softly. So when she's talking, she, I'm talking in real life. When she's talking, she's like, yeah, we went and I wanted them to do this. And then they told me about this. And so we did this and you know what I mean? So she comes off sounding ditzy and confused a little bit, just in the tenor of her voice. So translate that to her, our, her acting ability. That's just her reading of it. So, She's reading the lines that are given to her. She sounds like a bad actor. But in actual, I'm not saying she's a good actor. I'm just saying she's using her natural voice. And it comes across like bad acting. And that's unfortunate. If you watch that movie with that mindset, you realize she's just doing the best she can with what she's given. There are a host of other problems with that movie. They focus way too much on, oh, it's your first cousin. That's your first cousin. You're involved in a relationship with your first cousin. Don't be, do, don't do that with your first cousin. No, I'm going to do that with my first cousin. Who writes that? What are you doing? Like, just, (laughs) you could have skipped that whole, they could have not been cousins or at least been enough, far enough away cousins that nobody gave a shit and nobody would have cared. As it is, you made it really awkward and, and it's, and nobody can get past that shit. We're trying to deal with mob stuff and the Vatican, but instead I'm going, ew, like just, yeah. Uh, and they kept bringing it up over and over and it, like, just shut up. Let it go. If it'd just be a natural romance without the cousin aspect, nobody would, like, it would be fine. But you keep bringing it up and it's freaking weird. So that's why eh, you got to start bringing that T- score down. If you would, if you would have, if, if that would have been fixed in that movie, do you think that the movie would have been right up there with the first two? If, if the, if the, I wouldn't go that far, but what I, the point I'm trying to get at is along those lines. If they would have, uh, if people, if, if I don't want to say if she was a better actress, I want to say if people had understood that that's just her natural speaking tenor, for one, they wouldn't have cared as much about her. And yeah. for two, if they would have not focused on that and a couple of other aspects, 
so hardcore, it wouldn't have brought this movie down so much. Yeah. I still enjoy the movie, and it is still the closer on the whole arc that is the Corleone family for the section that they were trying to tell. Yeah. And it, it in a lot of ways, you know, part three has aspects that mirror part one with with the way that uh, Michael ends up uh, in Sicily and Italy in the end and, and whatever. That's really heartbreaking, the way the movie ends. And, and, and works really well, but only because of the reflection of the first film. Do you have that on Blu-ray or DVD or what format did you watch these? The DVD set. Okay. Box now, set. I wonder, because uh, uh, as with uh, the Alien Quadrilogy on DVD, especially Part 3, the producers cut. They obviously made the changes, but it wasn't quite complete. It wasn't quite where they needed it to be. Then the Blu-ray release improved on it greatly. Like, they, they did the audio better. Some of the effects were done better. Is there a chance that the Blu-ray for Godfather 2 could have improved on those couple issues that you're talking about? It's not impossible, but it's highly unlikely, in my opinion, because of these movies being so revered as they are. I don't think anybody's making any changes. I would have to look it up and let you know. Maybe I'll do a Google image search and see if I can find the frames that I'm talking about. Yeah, I am curious about that, like, because that just surprises me for a movie of that quality and that level, like, that they wouldn't have caught a couple of those little things like that. I rewound it a couple times because I'm like, wait, what is that? And yeah, there's a whole tenth of the screen that's just kind of X blacked out. Like, no, no. (laughs) It's like, what? What's happening? (laughs) But I have heard other people talk about that ADR moment. That's weird. Wow. Hmm. Very weird. Having said that, I, I'm really wanting to rewatch those movies. There, there's such a time commitment that uh, I have to be in that right frame of mind, and then I'm going to probably plow through them again. Yeah, you're right. And with Godfather Two, things were kind of acting like they were winding down, and I was like, "What's happening?" Like, I don't remember this movie ending like this. And then it said, "Insert disc two, and I was like, "Yes, I'm only halfway through. I'm so ha- I was happy. Because I was like, yeah. I'm so into this world, but I'm sorry, man. That whole series is a roller coaster. It starts at the top, and it just goes kind of... It may be a gentle downhill, but it's a downhill. Yeah, but it, yeah. yeah. But I'm still not going to hate on Part 3 the way that everybody else does. Yeah. Well, good. Good. And I, from what I remember, I remember kind of sharing your... <clears throat> excuse me. Your, your thoughts... As far as the first one was a masterpiece, second one was almost there, and then the third one was good, but not not on par with the first two. Yeah. So. I agree, but then again, where it's also getting, like we talked about last week, where it's getting into that time frame of, it's now the 80s, and everybody has to be super careful, and the times are a-changing. Yeah. Cool. Okay. So, uh, going from Godfather, let's go... <laughs> completely the opposite end of the galaxy with 1988 Cellar Dweller, directed by John Carl Beekler. Oh no, I know that name, and every time I know that name it's it's either from the roulette or me hating myself. <laughs> John Carl Beekler also directed Friday the 13th Part 7, The New Blood. and uh, Get to the roulette called- garbage that he made that I watched. What is Oh, uh, let's see. What else did John Carl make? Uh, he's a ma- he's mainly a special effects guy, mm. but he did he has directed some stuff. He directed 
the um oh wow not much watchers part four ghoulies go to college uh the first troll movie so there you go yeah that was almost on the roulette tonight but you didn't respond. Ah, come on, man. Oh, I didn't. Oh, I'm sorry, because I would love to watch Troll Oh, no, Troll you're fine. No, I found something better. And that was a voodoo thing. Like a okay. voodoo freeze. That'd be commercials, too. I didn't want to give you two commercial okay. entries. Gotcha. Okay. Okay, so John Carl Beekler. This is interesting. This is the Scream Factory release. It was released alongside, like, two movies on one disc with a, another movie from Empire Pictures, which later became Full Moon, called Catacombs. Uh, I believe it was Full Moon or Empire, which is the Charles Band, whatever. Uh, now I don't want to get that wrong, so bear with me here because I don't <laughs> want to sound like an idiot. Uh, let's hold on here. Catacombs from 1988, directed by David Schaller. Um, shit. Empire Pictures, I was right. Haha. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Huzzah. Huzzah. Cellar Dweller. This movie is great. Seriously, this movie is a blast. The Bigfoot monster design and demon warp was John Carl Beekler. Yes. You have tricked me into another... (laughs) Bastard. Uh, (laughs) Terror Vision. (laughs) You liked Terror Vision? Terror Vision was cool. Yeah. Uh, Hold on, I'm still looking here. He's really, really good at special effects. Well, let's not get carried away here. (laughs) From beyond... Cellar hmm. Dweller. Go on. So, okay. So Don Mancini wrote the movie, and Don Mancini is uh, the guy that directed most of the Child's Play movies. So kind of Child's Play is his baby. So I thought that was kind of interesting. Uh, mm-hmm. But the movie is an hour and 15 minutes long, and it is the simplest of storylines, uh, which revolves around this uh, this horror comic artists he creates these these creatures or whatever in his comic books and they come to life and start killing people and in this house and then years later there is a there a group of people are in this house for one reason or another which it basically here's the flimsy excuse to get everybody in the house and there's a lady that she's also a a an artist a comic writer whatever and she brings the creature back to life the cellar dweller and so he starts offing the people in the house and it is Everything that you want an 80s horror movie to be. It's got plenty of TNA and it's got copious amounts of gore. And the runtime is like, it starts and it's over. Done. <laughs> I, it was great. I mean, it's super cheesy, but in the best way possible. And I, you can tell that, um, the special effects, while very low budget, were really good. I thought like it very cool 80s practical effects. The creature looked really cool. And it's just a fun movie. I cannot imagine you would not enjoy this movie, especially because of the runtime. It's a, it's the perfect drinking movie. October. So that's definitely one that I do want you to. It's the October show. Put it on the October yes. list. I'm going to watch okay. 57 movies in October. Excellent. Mm. And let's just get this one out of the way quick. No, nah, keep going. I, I, we got time. We're, we're, we're okay. fine. Okay. Uh, Catacombs was the other movie on the disc. I've watched this numerous times, uh, sadly. This is actually Curse Part 4. So there's that. You're, Curse Part you're Three has me with all the subtitles. Uh, cat, yeah. Wait, AKA. Yes, Curse Four: The Ultimate Sacrifice. But on this release, it's called Catacombs. And, what was uh, Curse One through Three? I've never heard of that series. 
Uh, Curse One had uh, was it Will Wheaton in it? Will Wheaton, I think. Will Wheaton. <laughs> uh, you remember the you never was he the, in a uh, rainbow sweater? Maybe. Let's hope so. Yes, I, he was in the uh, the first Curse movie. Will Wheaton was in Curse, and, um, and <laughs> how then old Kurt, was he? He was this awkward kid in a Amishy farmhouse in a meteor lands, and uh, meh, whatever. Curse Two. How have I never heard of Curse? Like, what is? Uh, oh yeah, and I actually have the the double feature Blu-ray of this from Screen uh, Factory, so Doctor, you're gonna have to watch uh, this. Yeah, Curse, Curse Two was interesting with. Uh, uh, a guy that gets bitten by a snake and his hand becomes a snake. So oh, we is... have talked about that because I think that sounded amazing. Yes, and it it's way too long. The runtime is entirely way too long, but it has an insane ending because yeah, we have a snake arm. But it anyway, like it has an insane beginning. Yeah, it does. It just it just it's the middle section is a slog to get through. But of course, I've I've watched it numerous times, just like catacombs. <laughs> Uh, okay, a demon is trapped in a monastery. 400 years later, a young girl arrives and does things happen that were stupid and the, whatever. And I've watched, I've, every time, I've watched this movie every couple of years, and every couple of years I'm like, hey, that Catacombs movie, that had a lot of gothic atmosphere and it had a cool 80s vibe. I kind of was bored, but what if it's good now? And every time I watch it, oh, oh it's boring as hell. But it, it's amazing to me how great your memory is when we play theater ticket lottery and you're like, yeah, I went and saw this with my wife in Canada. And, you know, where did you see Star Trek? And I'm like, I don't fucking know. And then you're like, catacombs. I own this. I hate it. I'm going to watch it again. Yeah. <laughs> yep. <laughs> but the whole way through, I'm like, it's not awful. It's It's got that that 80s feel. And it, what was missing in this movie is like every 15 minutes, a horribly graphic scene or something. But as, you could tell they were trying to make a more serious gothic horror. And dude, you're not, you're not Hammer. Don't try to be Hammer, please. Uh, so anyway, <clears throat> there's Catacombs. But I want to move on from that. And normally I don't talk about movies that I do write-ups for on the Movie Freaks Facebook page. But I do want to talk about the movie that I reviewed earlier this week, and that is 2008's Lake Mungo. Uh, because, as you said, you don't give out perfect scores often. I probably give them out more often than I should. Uh, because I it's some movies I cannot find any fault with, and so I have to give them a perfect score. And Lake Mungo is one of those movies. I gave this 5 out of 5, and I this is the third time I've watched the movie now, and I think I like it each time I watch this movie, I like it more. And the, when it was done, I'm like, I, I sat there scared in the dark thinking, uh, I, I cannot think of one single thing that I did not adore about this movie. Uh, so I had to give it the perfect score. So read my review over on the Movie Freaks Facebook page. But real quick about the movie, uh, because I want to give this movie some props. Listeners out there, if you are in the mood for a genuinely unsettling, creepy, well-made movie, Lake Mungo is that minor undiscovered gem filmed in Australia. So it's an Australian movie. It's kind of a mockumentary type deal where uh, this this family, mom and dad and uh, their son, have lost uh, their daughter. And the whole movie revolves around why she uh why she died and the creepiness surrounding her death and then what happened after her death 
I don't want to give too much away, but it is, it's mainly mockumentary type stuff with some found footage sprinkled in. And found footage is a tough one anymore to, for me to give huge props to because it's been done to death. But man, is this movie good. I agree. And I, I've, well, I've only watched it once, but I w- was even re-reading, oh, re-reading your review, which I did. It was bringing it back to, oh, oh, shit, I remember that. And it's Ooh, this is one of those things I, where, uh, and this goes with a lot of found footage type things, but the editing is what, especially if you're doing a mockumentary thing, like a docu- fake documentary, your editing's got to be yeah. specific. Like, it, it's it got to be good. Yep, and, I agree. And that movie, it was good. Real damn good. Yeah. Like, it, you got to... Give me just enough to keep me interested, but yet, what is the arc that we are trying to fulfill along the way? Yeah. And and they do. Perfect. Oof. They did that perfectly. Yeah. They just, oh, it's not what you think it is. Here's a little another nugget of darkness and yep. terror. And whew. and I appreciate, with, with these found footage movies, a lot of it relies on the jump scare and, like, the shaky camera. And all of a sudden, you see something. Here, again, it's used very sparingly, but there are... One scene in particular, there's a couple of scenes. I actually, I'm getting goosebumps thinking about the one scene in the movie where there's no real jump scares in the movie, but there is one scene that it just kind of creeps up slowly and then you just, you see what's on the screen. And it was so terrifying. I remember just shrinking in my seat and I'm 42 years old. And it honestly, at this point, it takes a lot to scare me. And this movie scared me. It was so good. It's officially on my top 100 of all time. Uh, oh really? Fantastic movie. See, oh yeah, it is. It it for as far as such a well made horror movie that was unique and emotional too. Like it dealing with the loss of a child, which is heavy stuff, but done so well. Um, I loved it. I love 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 that movie. So anyway, I want to make well, that. I no, usually I want to make a mild comparison to another fake documentary that you haven't have somehow still refused to watch. The Good Neighbor. I don't want to say it, that The Good Neighbor is as scary as, like... Oh, yeah! It's not as scary as Lake Mungo. But they did yeah. an excellent job with the editing on that one. Much like Lake Mungo, where it is doing its thing, and little things come along that, like... That just creeped me out. It wasn't a jump scare, but it yeah. just... You really creeped me the hell out with that. Yep, I love that. That's good filmmaking where you don't have to rely on a loud, startling noise to scare someone. Where it's just that oozing sense of dread and the the fantastic camera work. And the this one here was very slow and steady paced, but never bored. the The whole time I'm like, I'm uncomfortable. Like this, I feel like there's a ghost behind me while I'm watching this mm-hmm. movie. Uh, ooh, oh, so yep. good. Okay, and anyway. and the good neighbor, I I would. It, that's not as good as like Mungo. I don't want to oversell that movie, but uh, you need to watch that damn thing. Yes. I know. Is it? Um, it was on yeah, Roku, and now it. it's not. <laughs> it, it, it moved to no, something else. Yeah. But uh, that's your, you know, that's the way it is. Eugene doesn't watch horror movies. I recommend. Okay. Yeah. Uh, ah, you know, hey, that might be one that pops up on Netflix. Uh, it seems like a Netflixy type. James Can really old, fucking creepy. He's like terrifying that. in the Godfather movies, and he's young. As an old man, holy God. I mean, he's his acting ability has not diminished one bit. He was he played that role so perfectly. Uh, it 
it's one of those that the more you think about it later after it's over and you, you piece a couple of things together, you're like, you know what? That was a damn good movie. Yeah, shoot. Now, I mean, because now we're talking about this and I've been talking about Lake Mungo now. I'm like, oh, man, I, I kind of wish I could watch that movie, but eh, I'll watch oh, it eventually. That's probably on Voodoo. Okay. Last round. Are you ready? Yep. Uh, this one won't t- I won't spend a ton of time on, but it was on the roulette, and so I wanted to talk about it. It's a documentary, uh, American Anarchist. Mm. The story of one of the most infamous books ever written, The Anarchist Cookbook, and the role it's played in the life of its author, who's now 65, who wrote it when he was 19, in the midst of the counterculture upheaval of the late 60s and early 70s. I am giving this movie a thumbs up this documentary i think you you especially i think should watch it it is informative to a lot of things that i've told you in private and that is uh a lot of things the media kind of overshadows these days as far as uh being uh, a damn it i won't get too political but look at all these uh protests can you believe that this is crazy people getting punched and kicked and this is out of control. We've never seen anything like this. Well, you've never seen anything like this if if, if you're not a child of history, you fucking moron. Yeah. yeah. They bring they they show a couple of things from the 60s and 70s that I've talked to you about in person. Like, hey, this thing happened. Do you remember this? Nope. Nobody talks about that anymore. There was a protest that turned into an all-out riot in New York. Do you remember that? 1970 blah blah blah. Nope, nobody remembers it. Oh, well. Police killed, you know, a dozen people. No, no, nobody remembers that. No, today it's 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 amazing. At any rate, they they bring to light a lot of these. I don't want to say anarchist ideals or something like that, but but they bring to light. They don't even bring to light. Fuck, they they just bring it up in a current movie, so maybe the current generation can see that. This kind of counterculture shit has been happening for way longer than just, like, the last decade. <laughs> yeah. And the violence has not... It has actually decreased, in my opinion, for these kind of protests. This stuff is not unusual. This has been going on for a long time. And the only people that think that this is new and different are people that are not educated in history. Amen there. Yep. This stuff happens like crazy all the time. But... This movie comes comes with it a couple of strong negatives from me personally, as far as a documentary is concerned. This documentarian sits down with the author of this book, and the guy, you can tell very early on, he's regretful that he ever kind of wrote it. He, he wrote it at a time when he was, I mean, in your teens... I mean, shit, who hasn't done or said dumb shit at that time? Or been upset about something in politics, or been emotional and wrote something, or did, you know. So this whole idea of the anarchist cookbook has been, I'm kind of on his side a lot. It's been perverted and manipulated and distorted into, like, psychos taking it and, oh, here's a recipe for a grenade, well... Clearly, you're saying I should take a grenade and fight the government and revolution. And it's like, no, that's not really what he was trying to say. He's just saying that maybe we should all have the same tools in case we have to. Hmm. And it, it, yeah, I know it's a fine line of information, but 
I felt like the interviewer was far too pushy in trying to make him feel guilty. Oh, really? I don't even feel... You know what? That's not even a a, uh, a controversial statement. He was way too pushy. He was like, but don't... He kept pushing this. Don't you feel guilty for Columbine because those boys had the anarchist cookbook in their house? Don't you feel guilty for the shooter in uh that shot up the Batman movie because he had the anarchist cookbook. Uh, I, immediately that makes me angry just hearing that. That's that's yeah. I know, but he handles it very well. Okay. He 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 tells you want to hear his side of it. You and I think that you would enjoy hearing his side of it. I'm still telling you that you should watch this movie. I think you would enjoy it. And it's not overly long. I'm just telling you that the documentarian Relax, dude. I know yeah. you're trying to like get, because he, you're trying to get him to like explode and react, and he kind of wouldn't. And I don't blame him for not doing that. He wrote a thing. He put it out there. All that information was already available. And you know where he got his information from? Libraries, from military manuals and libraries. This stuff is already available to everyone. Yeah. He just went and collated it into a novel tome and put it out there. And this guy just wouldn't let it go. Don't you feel responsible for this? Don't you feel responsible? It's like, dude, relax. At some oh, point. Yeah. I know. You're, I can tell by the look. You're like, I'm never going to watch this. But you, you really <laughs> you really should because there is a lot of... Because uh, he totally turned around after he put the book out and the way that it was received. He became a, a, a teacher and kind of turned away from all of that stuff and away from violence and he's always been kind of anti-violence and it you would really I th- really think you would like this documentary. Yeah, the premise sounds great. Yeah. You should check okay. it out. Okay? And I encourage everybody else to check it out. Just because you can read a recipe for a bomb doesn't mean you're supposed to go blow people up. Fucking idiots. Yeah. Anything else? Yeah, anarchy. Yay. <laughs> I'm a fan. And, uh, yeah, I literally, like, as uh, as you were giving me that review, there was uh, a lady that walks by our house and, with the flash on, takes a picture of, looks like me, I guess, sitting in my office talking on... So, expect some ridiculous memes on, on the interweb of me <laughs> looking like a ridiculous moron sitting here with two computers open and earbuds and... How did you like, not what flip her the doing, bird? What are you doing, lady? Just flip her the bird. Just... Yeah, I, it was like, I'm like, why are you in front of my house taking a picture of me sitting here? So anyway, that was weird. But well, apparently because I was talking about anarchists and shit, you're now on some list. So yes, I, I yes, black helicopters and yeah, <laughs> my bad. <laughs> <laughs> okay, um, last last night. movie of, of the night is uh, I, I again I want to circle back to the whole remastering and how a great remaster job will bring to light a a movie that may or may not have seen long ago that looks kind of crappy but now looks great. Here's here's a movie that I have actually never seen but it got great reviews and I'm a slasher collector at this point and here's one that Arrow released from 1981 called Madhouse directed by Ovidio G. Uh, Asinitis. I think that's how you pronounce his name. He uh, exactly. He actually was the one that James Cameron butted heads with on Piranha Two, uh, which he got. Cameron got fired by this guy, and and uh, a video basically took over and finished up the movie. Uh, so anyway, oh, and he uh, he produced uh, the Curse that we were talking about earlier with Will Wheaton. So Madhouse. <laughs> well, so so his uh, career track 
trajectory just went straight up. Whereas Cam, oh, Cameron, it's the sky is the limit. Never yes. heard of that guy. So James, yeah, Madhouse uh, from Arrow. Arrow, by the way, is they are pretty much at this point the the premier label releasing Blu-rays. They just announced that they're releasing John Carpenter's The Thing, and they're going to do a Scream Factory. Less than a year ago, released their version of Carpenter's The Thing in a all-new, rescanned, remastered. Arrow is also going to be releasing this, and theirs is going to be a newer scan, all with Dean Cundy overseeing the color timing and blah, blah, blah. So somehow the already, in, to my eyes, almost perfect Scream Factory release is going to be even better. But Arrow is, like, they are... On top of, how do I say this? They are as good as they have ever been, I think. Some of their earlier releases were kind of shoddy, one of which was The Bird with the Crystal Plumage, which I have on Blu-ray. They just re-released that movie with a 4K scan that is getting rave reviews, which basically makes mine obsolete. Nah, nah. I don't see that big a gap between the Blu-ray and 4K as far as those kind of old movies go. yeah. Old, yeah, but okay, so Madhouse, real quick here. Um, this is another minor gem that you have to check out. It's such a weird, cool, kind of slasher, kind of maybe supernatural type thing. I loved it. I thought it was just that early 80s slasher feel, but with some Italian sensibilities thrown in there. So it kind of has a giallo, suspiria maybe type feel. And the music was, to me, was lifted straight from Cannibal Holocaust. It has this weird... Yeah. Which I think... Uh, I don't, I don't want to... Riz... Uh, I forget what his last name is, but it's the same guy that did the music for Cannibal Holocaust. It's, it's the same guy did the score for Madhouse, but it makes... It gives the movie a whole different feel because it's this... It, the music is so bizarro, and I associate that music with the ultra-gory cannibal holocaust, and now it's in this weird slasher movie. It works so well. All of this weirdness comes together beautifully in a... I don't want to give anything away because this is... Because it is kind of a giallo. The less I say about the plot, the the better. It's not a straight-up Jason slasher-type movie. It's got the twists and turns and the red herrings, so I don't want to spoil it. But a Rottweiler is involved, which is used really well and, like like... That dog that they had in the movie was well trained, and when it wasn't a puppet, <laughs> sometimes because <laughs> every now and then I'm like, ah, there's the Rottweiler puppet head, but but the actual Rottweiler that they use, I'm like, that dog looks like it wants to chew someone's asshole out. Ooh. So yeah, it was impressive. I'm like, that dog is evil. Wow. But Madhouse thumbs up. Arrow does a another stellar job releasing. Uh, a long lost movie, so big thumbs up from me. Are you and keeping that, like an Excel spreadsheet to keep track of all the movies you got to give me in October? How do you oh, handle I that? Should. I mean, because I think October's going to come around, and you're going to be like, okay, and I'm going to be like, oh, I don't know what I gave you, and I'm going to end up giving you garbage. Oh, like, this happens all, every all year. Box stuff, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but this is one I w- I so want you to review and talk about, and Cellar Dweller. There's they're very opposite, but they're that would be a great double header of 80s weirdness. Anyway. Seriously, start making a list. Yeah, I should. Because a lot of these that I talk about on a week-to-week basis, and you were like, put it on the list, and I'm afraid I'm going to forget. 
if, open up a notepad or something, put put it on a list. Make a list. Because seriously, if I tell you put it on the list, I want to watch this shit. Both of those okay. sound are, like they need to be on the list. So I'm gonna put, I'm gonna write down here on my on my notes for a podcast. Eric's October movie list. List list. There we go. Madhouse. No, oh, okay. So anyway, there you go. That's my review. I'm uh, all right. Again, let's do coming soon and wrap this up. Now, another thing I wanted okay. to add in with coming soon this week is while I was looking for uh, roulettes. Dun, dun, dun. I came across a couple of movies that I'm like, oh, that's a good movie. Oh, that's a good movie. And I wanted to throw a shout out to our to these movies, to our audience that can view these movies on free venues like Crackle and Dead Man Down. Do you remember this movie with Colin Farrell and Naomi Rapace? Yes. It is on Crackle. It That is a free service to anyone on the internet, free and legal. Go check it out. I thought that was a Pretty damn good movie. I got it on Blu-ray, and it's it's held up for me. Uh, coming soon for me, that Hearts of Darkness I'm going to be watching because Sophia Coppola was talking about that in the interview I uh, listened to a Mark Maron with her in the last week or so, and so I'm going to definitely watch that and uh, continuing on with comic book bullshit that Eugene will ignore in the coming weeks. Nah. <laughs> <laughs> I feel bad. Don't feel bad. Uh, okay. <laughs> I will sprinkle movies in there though as well. Perfect. Coming soon from you. Okay. Uh, for me, um, this is one that I'm guessing you haven't ever, you've probably never seen this movie, but, and I, I just, it's one of those where it was on my list to talk about on the show before, but I, I've got so much stuff that I want to talk about that I don't get to everything, but this is one that I just wanted to make you aware of out there. Uh, listeners, there is a movie on, uh, YouTube. That I have not, I haven't seen this movie since the VHS days. And for some reason, I decided to give it a watch, uh, on YouTube. And I did. And it's really, really, really good. It's called The Evil, starring Richard Crenna from the. You haven't seen that movie? Uh, I saw, I mean, I saw it years ago on VHS, but I kind of forgot about it. But just. Oh, wow. Yeah, just recently. So you've seen it? No, but it's come across my transom more than a few times, and I'm like, ah, and, uh, Eugene's surely seen a movie called yeah. The Evil. Yes. That's something he would... Yeah, which I did years ago, but I didn't remember it, but I, I gave it a rewatch, and out it's free to watch on YouTube, and it's a really fun, cool little haunted house movie starring Richard Crenna. So, there you go. <laughs> cool. Check it out. And then as far as uh, coming soon... Uh, my wife and I are going to watch uh, Baby Driver on Saturday night. We have a date night, so we're going to go check out that awesome-looking movie. Yay! Ah, you luck- lucky bastard. Yeah, it was. Uh, here's what's funny. It was either that or Spider-Man, and I'm like, you know what? Can we maybe take a superhero break for one movie in the theater? And she's like, yep, I'm fine with that, so Baby Driver it is. Not that I don't want to see Spider-Man, but I'm, I'm ready for a little break. I'd take Baby Driver over Spider-Man every day of the week. Yeah. I, I've seen seven Spider-Man movies. Yes, exactly. I'm sure it's going to be good, but I can wait. Um, yeah. And then on, on the uh, home front, I've got, I got stacks of stuff that I want to watch. <laughs> so I, you know, I, Code Red, Scorpion, you know the drill. I, <laughs> yes, I do. Yep. So I, I could list the titles, but I'll just, I'll talk about them next week. Trust me. Yeah. We'll laugh about them ne- next week. Exactly. And then we'll <laughs> laugh about the money I spend on them. All right, man. All right. Till next time. Bye. See ya. 
for listening.